if you punch someone with a fist that has a bunch of teeth on it, are you actually biting them? Yeah, I think definitely. I think that's what the <laughs> autopsy would show. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 148 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, I'm the fixer of midnight errors. I'm Sam and I'm the conqueror of squirrels. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April 30th. 2018. You always trick me up when you pronounce it correctly. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show? Already? What? Yeah. What the hell did done? that happen? Okay. Hold on, I didn't get my profanity Sorry, warning ahead, yet. Yeah. Anything could happen on the show, there's going to be profanity. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, so. You got it in there right in the If there's time. children, I didn't get to this part yet, though. If there's children, get them out. Get it's it, implied. Just yeah, get I them think- the fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> We're we already we flew it we we flew off the rails. What happened in the studio last week? Uh, well, Beastcotch ID just showed up and punched us right in the mouth last yeah. night. Last, last night. night, yeah, I was getting ready for bed. It was nine o'clock. I was I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna I just need a new Kindle book, you know. So I'm gonna go like, mm-hmm. kind of look through my library, and so then all of a sudden there's this flurry of messages on Discord, and Sam's screaming at me, and our monitors are screaming at me, and it turns out that Beastcotch ID just sort of shat, mm-hmm. and as a consequence. <laughs> Any, all at once. All at once. Anybody in who logged game. in in every game. Anybody who logged into any of our games between 9 p.m. and 10:30 p.m. when I fixed it, or who had been logged in and visited sort of the Beastcatcher D Lander thingy. Admittedly, not a huge group of people. It's not a huge subset, which is great. But but for that subset, uh, now anytime they go visit the Beastcatcher D Lander, meaning if they want to go to their settings, if they want to log to check in, on friends to check on friends, you know that kind of stuff, their game will just crash, mm-hmm. and there's no way to fix it. Because the game can't fix it. Because the only way to fix it is to open up the lander and clear your cache. But it crashes too because it crashes first. <laughs> so so that just happened last night. But it, but it was really frustrating because I, I was digging through it last night trying to track down the problem. Uh, figured out what it was. And it basically all came down to just a stupid sequence of things that were being done. Uh, culminating in that the game itself doesn't actually check to make sure that the data it got was any good. Mm-hmm. It's just legacy stuff. So it's just legacy stuff. So it just it just it got whatever it got, and then it just said, "I'm cool. I'm going to display this. Whatever now. this is, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do what I can, which is die. Yeah. So basically, it assumed <laughs> that it had you know it assumed that it had four different parts, but of course there weren't, and so then it tried to f- try to show the fourth part, and that doesn't exist, and that crashed the game. My favorite part about this is the sort of sirens call because of our notification system, where the Beastcatch ID button sort of has a little light flash on it, and of course mm-hmm. people now are trained. Uh, to you know, click on those things whenever mm-hmm. they happen. So there's yep. just this flash, and if you if you were like a moth to the it flame, you to your death, <laughs> just destroy your game. <laughs> so that was a big panicky moment because um, I think it happened like nine 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 thirty. And my favorite part about it is all of us also don't have notifications on basically on any of our devices, which means we actually have no uh, no effective means. Well, this, this of is because the team. This is because our devices abuse us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they they don't they don't notify us when important things happen. They just notify us when, when things happen, mm-hmm. right? So we just have them turned off across the board. And then, yeah, when the bat signal goes up, we're all just looking the other direction. <laughs> Every so. once in a while. But, you know, this, is, this isn't the fault of our alert system. This is the fault of a very fragile, shitty legacy tech system. Just mm-hmm. goes to show how we need to get Beastcatch ID yeah, out, out of there. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you was know. a good time. I had a great night. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it's, it's fixed for all new users, and we're sending out a patch uh, today and tomorrow to uh to get it fixed for whoever got hit by it. Mm-hmm. So if you got hit by that, you know, sorry about that. 
Just don't go just, in there. Just go, <laughs> just go Although by show. the time you listen to this, it'll be probably the rest. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, otherwise, we have the Shenana Jam, the Bscotch Shenana Jam, coming June eight. Oh, that's soon. It mm-hmm. is about five six or weeks? six weeks yeah. away. Yeah. So the Shenana Jam is a worldwide game jam that we host through uh, through itch.io. They have a fantastic sort of game jam management system there. Uh, so so we're hosting it at itch.io slash jam slash bscotch2018. So bscotch2018. Um, do it. Yes. Even if you're, we get a lot of comments from people in the Discord who who express apprehension about whether they're ready for a game jam. Uh, you can you, never be ready. You can never be ready or you're always ready. Exactly. Because it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is this is a thing just to kind of push yourself. It's kind of like it's kind of like you know when you're if you're running a race or swimming or whatever, where the really the thing that matters is just your own time. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about like beating the person next to you. It's all about improving yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's very deep, yeah. It Race is. yourself. Race your own ghost. That's, That's it. right. Uh, and so if if it's your first time doing it. This is the best time because it's going to be the worst thing you're ever going to make, right? Which means it that can the, only get better from it's here. It's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. So the next jam you come to, you will you will have improved so much, mm-hmm. and you'll see these huge gains. Never forget, so. you have to be bad before you can be less bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just don't even worry about it. Just be bad. It's yeah. Great. So if if you're nervous about it, then even grab a friend who also sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, just just make a whole team, make a suck vortex. <laughs> team of misfits a team of misfits who has no idea what they're doing and just take take that weekend uh it's a 48 hour long event um and then we also have uh we have the rule that you need to submit a, a youtube video of your game for the end um so we'll we'll send out some information about that so whoever gets signed up through the the itch uh website will how many people on. are signed up already 145 or something i think I think it's 140. 100, 100 something. That's pretty good. Maybe 120. Okay, so they're 124, 142. Now that we're six weeks out, we probably need to start hounding people. I guess we could tell. Yeah, we're, we're going to start really promoting it. So we, we've just kind of had the jam page up and we've been mm-hmm. just letting it accumulate. One thing we saw uh, last year was that most of the participants joined the jam the day of the jam. Yeah, one or two days before. Yeah. yeah. So so it was it was kind of we were gaining one or two people a day for for a couple months and then all of a sudden it just skyrocketed mm-hmm. at the end. I bet I can make shenanajam.com point to the We should probably do site. that. That's what I should do. So, so try going there, I'm gonna, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so if that doesn't work, then go to that really long, confusing thing Seth said earlier. I don't yeah. have any devices on me to record anything though. Yeah. <laughs> also very amusing to so one of somebody our, remember. Somebody remember that. What are you guys on maybe. it? Right. One of our listeners asked if we had the video from last year because we did a little kickoff sort of keynote thing about how to jam. Um, and I went looking for it. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> I thought it was it's on, on YouTube. It's unlisted. It's unlisted. I couldn't find it. It's, it's, it's in there. It's probably buried amongst all of the... I mean, I went looking. I went looking with a shovel. Well, yeah. we got to make a new one anyway because it's a new year. Yeah, it's a new you year. Know. Um, yeah, so so we start the event with a little kickoff video that announces. Well, the we themes. may or may not because we, we want to leave our options open. Yeah, we may or may not do all kinds of things. Yeah, so. <laughs> one of the things that we may or may not do is kick it off with a video. Yeah, we Maybe. might also kick it off with a literal kickoff. Yeah, um, where we take one of the games from last year and we put it onto a little tee and we just kick the shit out of it. Just punt, and it yeah. just flies. But we won't take a video of it. We'll just tell you about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those radio broadcasts. You know, you imagining is better than seeing. Actually, sometimes. what if we did that? What if we did a radio? 
broadcast where we pretended to do all kinds of things that we weren't actually doing. And now there's a tiger jumping through Game Jam hoops. Yeah. It's incredible. So we just describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a fantastic auditory experience. <laughs> it can be. I've heard some pretty good auditory stories. Also, speaking of fantastic experiences, we watched Infinity Wars. It was fantastic. Infinity War. Just yeah. So it was just one. But one in Infinity, Infinity War. War. I thought it was, I did think it was weird. I mean, I know it's owned by Disney, but I thought it was weird when when Steamboat Willie. Came yeah, the in. crossovers got real they fucking got weird. Because yeah. I mean, extensive. they were like, they're like, we need to bring in everybody mm-hmm. from the the MCU. And I didn't realize that they have started folding, you know, Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and yeah. Steamboat Willie and like the whole the whole Disney gang. Yep. Yeah. Uh, into, but to be fair, into his this. his sort of uh, noodly arms. Incredibly good. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of like a, death with, yeah, he's kind of like know? a Groot. He's kind yeah. of a Groot like. Uh, yeah, the the scene where Steamboat Willie uh, and Groot have a, a fight to the death yeah, was good. it was very heart wrenching mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. It, was, it was spectacular. These are two of the most beloved characters uh, in the Marvel universe, especially at that point. So, they had focused so much on both of their character arcs that you know you kind of you're in love with one of them. You know, yeah, I was more on the Steamboat Willie side, and Adam was more mm-hmm. on the Groot side. Yeah, so I mean, both of us were just weeping openly by the time. Yeah, that they fight they was don't coming. tell you that uh, you know coming in like because they 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 really cleverly cut the trailer for for Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never see Steamboat Willie, and you mm-hmm. don't realize that that an hour and forty five minutes of Infinity War is just focusing on sort of Steamboat Willie's origin kind story. of origin story, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and then everybody shows up. That's yeah, like, that's it. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, I also did not expect Steamboat Willie to strangle Thanos to death. That was <laughs> his those lead pipe arms. That yeah, was, uh, and it, it took like eight minutes. I mean, it was just it, it was, was a very, very drawn out. Apparently, death so, apparently he's like his alien <laughs> physiology, which I guess is something we haven't really considered. But he can hold his breath for a long time. So, well, but he's also two dimensional because, of course, you know, with all the, the the stones that Thanos is accumulating, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is he can he can manipulate space and time. But you know, Steamboat Willie doesn't live in that he's, space. He's he got lives one, in a two D plane. For starters, he is two dimensional. Yeah, those, um, which those is stones a, can't affect him. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is another advantage because he. You know, he, he has the thickness of zero atoms, yeah. you know, and so he can slice. He can just cut people in half. And, and it, was a, it was a nightmarish scene. Yeah. It was yep. like something out of, uh, But that one know, scene where, where Thanos managed to convert Paper Mario into sort of a, you know, war machine. Yeah, did and not expect. He and yeah. Steamboat Willie had to really go, like, into the Well, especially because, realm. you know, Disney already has so much IP. Why would they need to license something from a Nintendo? But they right? did it anyway. But they did it anyway, you know? They were like, crossover event of the century. They saw Ready Player One happen. They're like, we got to get everything. Get yeah, on and this. then the Nintendo Switch came in. Uh, that's it, crazy. That was something. Yeah, was like, I mean, <laughs> seeing Thanos' huge hands hold a Joy-Con, that was one of the most yeah, amazing Yeah, and, the, and the, scene, the scene when uh, when Thanos goes against Captain America and Donkey Kong in... Uh, in uh, Mario Kart? No, what was that? Uh, the Squid People game. Mm, Splatoon. Splatoon. Yep, yeah, Squid People. Yeah, that was... I was on the edge of my seat. I, uh, yeah. I and again, that, still grip marks on the, you know, on the armrest. Yeah, and that was a two-hour sequence as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very long movie. Yeah, we yeah. were there the whole day. Yeah. yeah, multiple bathroom breaks. <laughs> it's spectacular, though. So, oh yeah, the uh, spoilers. We should probably, mm-hmm. we forgot to mention mm-hmm. that. Anyway, so yeah, if you haven't seen it, now you have. So go, don't go worry see. about it. <laughs> uh, also, so we watched this, and Adam the whole time was like, you know, this is great, but I wish I could, I wish I could see this mm-hmm. with my real eyes. Yeah. So and then not- I went back in time using the green stone mm-hmm. to last Friday. Yeah. So that I could, the goal was to be able to see Infinity War better, uh, but I couldn't quite make the time travel work out in my favor. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, but it was pretty close to this coming Friday. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I was only off by a few days. You missed, you barely missed. Yeah, it. this coming Friday, I'll be getting lasered, so that now Sam and I both will have laser eyes. And now I'm sitting here being like, oh, fuck. I guess I gotta. <laughs> I guess I gotta. Yeah, I can't be the. I can't be the last standing. You gotta do it. Ugh. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know why you're screaming about it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be something. But yeah, the the, uh, the whole experience of all of the pre what do we call it, your consultation stuff because they poked me in the eye a couple times. They put some strings in my eyes to make my eyes water. They did all kinds of stuff. I didn't get the eye strings. You should go where I went. Apparently, they didn't <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the eye strings are how you know it's top notch. I don't know, man. It's that, it's that extra great. level of detail, you know, that they yeah. spare me. That they just they just, <laughs> they just really amped up the experience. You know? <laughs> Uh, but it was, yeah, it was really quite fine, actually. They then took some uh, pepper spray, I think, and they shot you just straight in the eye with some pepper spray just to see. No, that's the, that's the post-op visit. Oh, right. Yeah. That's the day after. Yeah, because they want to see, because then your eyes are really they gotta dry. They got to see how resilient your eyes are. Well, no, it's because your eyes get really spray. dry after after the procedure. And mm-hmm. so to produce tears, they got to be a little more forceful. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. just pepper spray. Yep. Yeah. Do they just do that kind of, because con- they said there's like a two-week recovery. So that, may just, that just mean like for the next two weeks. They just drive by and pepper spray. Well, no, you, you, just have, you have pepper of, spray drops that you just mm-hmm. you just you do just it drop yourself. Them, yeah, every mm-hmm. few hours. So this sounds fine. Yeah, this is great. I'll uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, Sam, yes. Now that you can see, because you got LASIK, you've been seeing some shit that you've been tired of seeing. Yeah. So I'm segueing <laughs> the fuck out of this. Yeah, nice that was good. Very like nice it. job. So let's talk about. So this. here's here's the deal. Okay. So we go to the gym most days of the week. Uh, week. Usually after, you know, six-ish hours of working straight, someone's blown a brain gasket, okay? And the only way, as we know, to repair a brain gasket is you got to throw heavy things around or run around a little bit. It's so It's to go blow a muscle gasket. Exactly. This is why children have recess. Yeah. And adults, for some reason, don't. Adults are like, we're too old for this. And then we're, they just We're die. not paying you to run around and mm-hmm. be happy. So we take our recess break every day because we do whatever we want. We take and, recess. Uh, <laughs> and when we're at recess, we just like, call it recess. you know, <laughs> I'm there to have a very positive experience. I just want to lift. I want to, you know, have fun, chat with you guys, chat with other random people. And there's this problem, which is there's this bank of TVs in the gym. And all the TVs do is just at least three of the six of them are news. And here's the thing. I don't care about, you know, it, it's being not informed. news. Well, it's always breaking news somehow, but it's the 24-hour news networks. So whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, I don't care which one it is. I actually don't have any discrimination against any three of them at the one of the three at this point because the reality is that watching news is real bad for you they're entertainment out. products that sell you fear yeah and so and sadness and there's actually been a bunch of psych <laughs> studies about this which all go to show and I, I sort of uh, compiled a list of them on saturday that watching even as much as three minutes of negative news in a day makes it basically i think the the mark that ended up hitting was 27 percent more likely to report at the end of your day that you've had an unhappy day. Yeah, but it also makes you less informed than not watching it. Because if you only, if you read news that's curated, that comes out less frequently, you know, mm-hmm. sort of a weekly thing or a morningly thing or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, versus staying on top of sort of the 24-7 cycle, mm-hmm. you actually, you're more informed by reading less news. Right. So, because essentially what's, what oftentimes is being reported on is what people think about a particular thing that is and they're in just process. Wrong. And usually they're wrong, so who cares? So, in other words, it is actually an entertainment product, but the, the weird kind where they aren't so much making you happy as they are sort of. Well, it's one of those ones that makes you fear. Well, they sell product. you emotions, yes. yeah, which is what entertainment products But it makes do. you feel like you're accomplishing something by watching it. It does. Because you know? so you're just saying, kind of, quote unquote, informed. Right. Because right? um, you're not watching cartoons like a child. Uh-huh. You're watching adult, that. You should adult be. stuff. So here's the thing. When I've gone to the gym, uh, there's been some times where I've watched, say, like an action movie while I was running, which 
if anybody's done this before, usually you will accidentally run much faster than you normally would under the same circumstances because you're kind of like, but be careful watching infinity war because you'll be running for nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very long movie. But, um, in this case, you know, I, I've been going to the gym enough where it's just been bothering me that every time we go, there's just all this, just, there's just shit on these screens and it's just, you can't avoid it. And the crazy thing is all of the treadmills also have their own TVs, which means that if I, as a person, like, Hey, I really want to watch, I really want to be terrified today. I could just do that to myself and that's fine. But we don't need to do it to the whole group, you know. People just sort oh, of and it's, it's everywhere. It's in the locker rooms. It's everywhere. So yeah, can't get away. And actually, the locker rooms are divided into these little these little corridors, these mm-hmm. little alleys, and every one has its own TV in it. And usually, they're all in the news. And I'm like, I can't even just I can't even just wander around naked, which is what you do in locker rooms. Yeah. Without seeing the news, mm-hmm. it's horrible. So yeah. uh, I'm I've been practicing my assertiveness. Okay, this is like part of my thing this year. Uh-huh. It's trying to get better at that. And so identified, okay, here's this problem. And normally this would be a thing where, where I would just be like, I guess this is my life and that's how it is. But I thought, okay, you know, this is a good place to practice. So I'm going to write a note to the gym and just sort of lay this out very nice way and essentially say, Hey, you know, I'm a game designer and part of my, my job is to, you know, notice these things that affect people and find out where we can make people happy or whatever else. Your mission statement is to enrich people's lives. You have these TVs on, the, all the science shows that this is actively destroying people's mental sort of health, truly. So here's some suggestions as far as what you could do, right? And and you can't escape the TVs. Yeah, they're there. They're just every there are positions such that no matter where you go, you are looking at a TV. So I looked up the CEO and I looked up uh, like the director of the exercise facility. Emailed both of them with this this little note, and it's very nicely worded, like not an angry note by any stretch. So I get this this note back within a couple hours from the CEO which was a fantastic response. And the long and the short of it was, and I, I felt so horrified for this person at the end because she said, she said that exactly is something we've tried to do before for those exact reasons. But every time, every time we've done it into any degree where we've been like, you can't watch the news cycles or you can't watch blah, or we're changing this channel permanently to this. They've, there's been just a general revolt in I'm the sure. populace. I'm sure. Um, where people just, they so they get so pissed off about it that they have to change it back. So they changed the uh, changed the, the locker room one from CNN or MSNBC or whatever it was to HGTV, right? To just like you get this goofy some sort oh, of home I hate, improvement. I hate show. that too. I mean, who cares? But it's, it's at <laughs> least not that, negative. That it, but it's fifty percent ads, which is, it is not it actually is. a better experience than news. It right. is actually. It definitely is a better yeah. experience than is it? Okay, because the news so. also has the ads. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> just, All I know is just, like, I feel like I'm equally mixed in with sadness. Yeah, I think I'm equally <laughs> enraged by both. Right. But so how. apparently they, they did this, and she said they got they got so many complaints in such a short. Have window. they tried playing Adventure Time? But here's that'd be awesome. Here's the the quote from it that that just. Made me sad for this person. She said, I, and keep in mind, she directs this huge facility that does all this cool stuff. She said, the thing I've talked to members most about in the last couple of years is the televisions. Yeah. So just get rid of them. That's right. I was like, can, yeah, that, can we, can we have an off that? day? We're just, Hey, every Wednesday, the TVs are all off. Well, this is what I was wondering. So, so the question I have for you guys, because obviously this is a huge, weird design problem, right? Because how do you get, how do you get the whole crew? At the, at the gym, the populace of the, of the gym to not revolt, but in some way also not have to watch cable news all the time. And there have been a few gyms where, who actually outlawed it. So there's one that's like a big chain. This happened actually earlier this year. I looked it up where they, they just said, we're, we're blacklisting all of the, uh, you can't even like get to them on their TVs. You can't watch the news. I used, I used to go to, against their mission statement. Yeah. I used to go to Planet Fitness. Mm-hmm. 
and they always just play music videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are pretty fun. Which I mean, it was it was cool because it gave me a. Here's the thing. I have no fucking idea what's happening in pop culture, right? <laughs> so I don't know what the teens are doing, mm-hmm. you know, because they're the ones who apparently drive this stuff because mm-hmm. uh, they're always looking for new new hot albums, things that are hip, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I never know what the hell's going on. So when I, when I, for the couple years that I went to Planet Fitness, I was very in the loop. You know, I knew all the new, all the hot new artists that were coming out, dropping tracks, mm-hmm. all that shit. Uh, now I don't. Now I'm just sad. Yeah. So. The thing is, it's a, better, it's a better experience when you go to the gym and you see, you know, people dancing around and stuff on the TV yeah. as opposed to just the general shit show of the worldly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's celebrating physical health yes. and stuff, you know, so which you don't normally see. Yeah. So I didn't know if you guys had any ideas about like from a design standpoint, what to even do aside from burn it down was my was my next one. Well, here's, like, the, okay, thing, here's this, the thing. Here's the thing. Problem. Just destroy the Yeah, TVs. what you do is you change the channels, people will revolt. And you just And you just respond and you go, but no, though, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And they'll go, well, fuck. And then they'll keep coming to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> or they won't. But if they're the, if they're just there to watch TV, and actually there there are a lot of like a stupid number of just old people at this gym that just like seem to sit there watching TV. That's true. So, you know, if that's what they're there for. But there's TVs on the exercise bikes and on the treadmill. And, and you can, and you can change the you channels. Yeah. You have your own personal television. That's what I'm you can still watch it. Just, just not Don't make everybody else watch it. Yeah. So anyways, this is something I'm thinking about now. So I got to figure it out. No, I, I think it's. I think you're right. It's it's a simple design problem. It's more of the problem of once you've given something to somebody, yes, even if it's it even if it's bad for them, you can't take it away anymore because then they'll get mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to just be willing to piss them off, which that one time, that one lot. time, and just let it, just let it, just ride it out, ride mm-hmm. out the anger wave. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I agree though. That's something that's Jeez, always driven, it's driven me crazy from day one, walking in there and just being like, oh, I can't. And then, and then you'll find those moments where if you're, you know, if you're working out or something, you're resting in between sets and, and because it's TV, it's these flashing, yeah, you, rapidly shifting yeah, you images. Yourself looking at All it. of a sudden you just, you just zombie staring at mm-hmm. it and you're like, how much time has passed? Where am I? <laughs> what set am I on? It's not yeah. good. And then suddenly you're hearing about the latest thing Trump did and you're like, I just want to, I want to package all that up and I just would see like, that once a week, mm-hmm. you know? I would just like have, to not. Just have a bad experience once a week and just leave it at that. Yep. So, all right, well. Let's get on some questions. I'll keep, you, I'll keep you posted if anything happens. Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't I, hold my I breath. Would, I would like to. I would. I would like to propose responding with requesting that there be some kind of an event, which is the, an off day for the TVs, mm. but they actually turn it into an event. Blackout Wednesdays. Yeah. No. Well, not not even like a regular. Come to thing. the gym, work extra hard, and also you do. But just but just say like, hey, this one day a month, even we're just going to turn all the TVs off, and it's just going to be. Just you and the gym. Just you and your blood. Talking to people, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, all right, let's go to some questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question into a future episode, get over there and then do that. First question comes from Anonymous. Yo, bros of Game Make. Hey. <laughs> Adam has recently talked about he and his wife playing video games together or simultaneously in the same room. Is this something you can each do with your wives, or did only Adam use his husband demancy to brainwash his wife into thinking she enjoys it? Also, how do you feel about the concept of making games designed to make ladies want to play them? I love the podcast and games. Thank you for both. All right, so we have some things to unpack here. Yeah, I appreciate the love. This is a this is an interesting question. The framing of this question is enormously problematic. Yeah. So that's what we gotta 
what we got to get into. So let's get in there. All so right. So first, so first part. Back. So first part uh, to address is the question of: Did Adam use his husband Demancy to brainwash his wife into thinking she enjoys video games? So no, my, <laughs> so, my wife. At, literally does enjoy video games, uh, and she's been a the, gamer as long as any of us. Lo, actually, longer, longer than me. Probably. She's better than me. <laughs> she plays more games than I do, so she's far more of a gamer than I am. Uh, but the idea that I could have tricked her into believing that she likes games, even though she doesn't, mm-hmm. it's just it's a little weird. I'm not really sure what purpose that that rationale <laughs> uh, kind of kind of generates. But uh, but yeah, but in short, no. I mean, Jenny beats me at every game we play except for. Nope, every game we play. She's, she's better than me at. <laughs> she beat the living shit out of three of us, three on one in Super Smash Bros. Many, yeah, many really moons ago, mm-hmm. we went to visit uh, Adam and Jenny in college. Yeah. And we got, we just got. She's probably rusty. Now. I wanted to leave afterward. I was like, I'm, I've been destroyed. Well, to one, my of our, core. one of our friends in college um, uh, actually stormed out of our house <laughs> because he was so angry at getting beat. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was actually because he had kind of the same and sort she of was idea. Just laughing. Yeah, because like she wasn't supposed to be as good because she mm-hmm. was a woman, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that was in his brain. And so then he just couldn't his 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 fragile ego and, mm-hmm. and masculinity <laughs> just imploded, and he couldn't be alive anymore. Well, I think it's an interesting question because it, it it suggests this idea that if uh, in particular if a woman likes playing games that. That it wasn't a, it wasn't potentially arrived to at her own accord. Yeah, right? it was some sort. It was or that it's, sort of or that it's somehow it. fake or something. Right. Or that or that if you're a partner of someone who doesn't actually play games, whether they're male or female, actually, that you have to sort of like 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 manipulate them into it, right? Um, which always, I think it's always and the thing is we've seen this before um, quite a bit actually when it comes to people who just really like playing games, wanting to get someone who doesn't actually play games much into it is for whatever reason there's oftentimes this feeling of like I need to somehow trick them into, <laughs> right. into getting addicted. Pokemon Go first is like the gateway drug and then get them into this thing. And I think, uh, speaking from my own, my own experience, uh, again, my wife's played games as long as I have. I think she played a lot of uh, like The Sims and I think some Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day. Those were her two games growing up. And um, the way we ended up playing games together was just that sort of thing where it's, it's a passion of mine that I really wanted to have become a sort of passion of both of ours in at least sometimes. And because she doesn't like actually sitting down in front of screens. So that was, that's the Which main hurdle. Which is a very reasonable mm-hmm. thing. She likes running around out in the woods usually. She's like, a, she likes person. recess. She likes recess. <laughs> and more of a, like a, you know, indoors coloring sort gotta, of person. Gotta stay away from those fucking mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. You know? And so the way we actually got it, the biggest one we got into was Terraria. Because yeah. it has a simple enough overall control thing, control scheme. Um and you can just get right into it. Yeah, you can get right into it. And then on top of that, you can you can choose your level of danger that you get into, which I think for her was really important because... And you can choose your gameplay style. There's just all kinds I mean. of stuff. Yeah, you can because do, like yeah. I'm more of a, I just want to go murder everything sort of person when I'm doing these games. And uh, she doesn't like the the adrenaline that comes from getting these huge fights. Or rather, she likes it afterward, but never during. There's a lot of screaming involved. But this, this has nothing to do with her gender. It's just her. This yeah. is more that... She just has a very, she has a lot of adrenaline in general. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and Adam and Seth could speak to this is that anybody who's been around her knows that uh, if you startle her or, or if she just has an idea, it's an, it's an experience. Well, she startles herself with ideas. Yeah. She startles herself. And so there's a lot of screaming involved. She's just a very active person. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's always very amusing. Um, and I think that's the important note is that there's just, it's, the gender, the the weird implications of the gender in this question is just is just I think off base because it's it's just the case that the question you should be asking is you know what what sort of stuff does my 
partner like, and then what are some games what that games actually that bring have that out in some yeah. interesting ways? Yeah, and, um, it, and it's a natural thing to to want to try to sort of bridge those those ideas in a in a spousal situation or mm-hmm. in, with a significant other where you've got something you like. They maybe even if they've never experienced it before, you want them to kind of experience that with you, you know. Um, but you gotta you gotta you know recognize that in in most cases people just are their own person. And you can, you can get them to sit down and try something new with you if, you know, if they aren't into it mm-hmm. uh, and maybe they'll like it, but yeah. probably well, they won't but even, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. they, even taking, they got their own things going on. But even taking that out of it, taking, taking all of it out of there, there's a huge number of, of just people who don't play games and have never played games. And, and I know a bunch of those people. And the, when you talk to them about, you know, if you say, Hey, I want you to play this game with me that I got really excited about that I've just been playing. And they say, oh, well, I don't really even know how to use a controller. Yeah. Because they don't have a whole, it, it's actually There's a whole crazy complicated and... how, how, it's crazy how complicated a controller is. And you don't know it if you kind of grow up on it. Yeah, it's got a whole bunch of buttons yeah. that has all this uh, really difficult hand-eye coordination. It's like playing an instrument where if you see somebody playing the, if you see somebody playing the piano, who's really good, you're like, how the fuck do they even right. know well, where their fingers are supposed to go? Someone who plays the piano doesn't just say like, Hey, I really like playing the piano and I need like a partner for this, you know, this I need a duet. Mozart duet piece. Could you just hop in? It matters. <laughs> it, the piano matters a lot to me and I want you to kind of share on the piano yeah. experience. Yeah, just yeah. come play with, just come play with me. Yeah, yeah it, it's just not as easy as that. The, the hurdles are always higher than you think um, for people who aren't fluent mm-hmm. in video games. And so so if you're trying to bring somebody who doesn't play video games into the fold, uh, don't come at it as, you know, I'm trying to trick them into doing right. this thing. Try to find because there, there's infinite games. So yeah. try to try to find games that because of hopefully you know who your partner is, right? So so you know what they're into, you know what kinds of things they like to do. Try to find games that kind of replicate that in some way, but most importantly that have a soft entry in terms of difficulty of control mm-hmm. schemes in particular, uh, because games are not easy. No. And if you if you don't have a, a lifetime of doing it, it's a real struggle just to get into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. My, my wife loves puzzles, mm-hmm. and she's a logic master and i've seen her chew through sudoku books you know like nothing like a wood chipper you know <laughs> uh and so so uh she you know she and i have sat down and played games like mist right but but she just makes short work of them like nothing it's i mean I, easy. I remember i remember struggling uh with that game along you know long when in my in my younger days mm-hmm. and she and i sat down with it and and she's like is this it you know <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're trying to get somebody to, to be excited about a specific game, you know, that, that's where the struggle is, and that actually leads us into the next part of this question. Yeah, so the next part of the question is, uh, let's see, how do you feel about the concept of making games designed to make ladies want to play them? Yeah, yeah to, to me, the bigger problem here is that so many games are designed specifically to exclude women. They're not designed for men or for boys. Right. They're designed to exclude women, and as a consequence, they or become, with exclusionary aspects, exactly with exclusionary in, right? aspects. But I mean, the, the same thing, the same thing applies to uh, film, TV, and all oh, yeah, these things. Yep. I mean, if you look at the fact that um, that you know, as, as an example, the Marvel, the MCU, right, mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've had they now eighteen films, nineteen films, not a single one with mm-hmm. a with a female lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Pretty fucked up. But hey, one's, <laughs> one's coming it. next year, so, you know. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, one's coming one next. Of, what, one's 30, 30 fucking movies? One's coming next year. It's 20. Captain Marvel, um, who is, a, I, guess, I think, the, the most badass powerful. Yeah, she's, I was reading up on her this weekend. She's very OP. Yeah, so I think, <laughs> like they're, I think they're trying OP. to compensate by making the one woman that they do have able to just sort of 
one-shot all the previous heroes <laughs> yeah. with, without even breaking a sweat. Right. Um, but it doesn't compensate, you know? And, and, and I think you see this, you see this, there's all, there's this big conversation about representation mm-hmm. in games and movies and stuff. And this is why, you know, we, we made uh flux, the main character of crash Lands. We, we made her a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's actually a big reason why we, we tend to not even put humans in our games in general. Yeah. Uh, because, because whoever you pick, you're yeah. going to be excluding everybody else uh, yeah. as a human. And so that, that becomes difficult to manage. But if you, but I mean, there's a huge, um, there's a huge desire for people to feel like they are, like their voices yeah. are being heard, like they're being represented. And I think Black Panther's just fucking. Oh yeah, it's been huge. Sp- speaks to this so loudly. Mm-hmm. Looking at the box office turnout, how many people came to watch uh, that movie, you know, five, six times in theaters because mm-hmm. they're just like, finally, somebody fucking made a movie for me. Yeah. You right, know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing with, with the video game problem is that, is that it's not about making, it's not about making lady games. It's about making games that don't necessarily exclude. It's about making games women. that treat people as equals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And it yeah. doesn't mean like every game has to have a female protagonist. Great. I mean. Definitely a bunch should, right? Well, roughly half of them should. Roughly half, that's yeah. About if we're just the population, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, but it, it does mean that then you know when, how women are portrayed in those games, whether it's a lead or or mm-hmm. other kinds of roles, uh, just shouldn't be all these like gross, subservient, sex focused things that they mostly are in the games that are sort of quote unquote for men, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, what those things do is they just they they constantly portray women as as non equal beings. And then they create this entire generation of, of video games, people playing games and so on, of things that just just actively exclude women from participating. Mm-hmm. And so then it should not be surprising at all that if you're sitting there playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto or something, you're like, <laughs> oh, I was just, why won't my wife love this game? You know, it's like where I can it's... choose between three different male protagonists <laughs> yeah. and, and then murder women. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. Yeah, it's because it's it's gross and sh- she shouldn't be pumped about that. Well, I think the the reality is it, it doesn't feel like a it's it feels like a party you were never invited to, and in yeah. fact that, that you were pushed away from yeah forever. So, so, so yeah, so in yeah. short, to for bringing somebody into the fold, find games that just don't do that that actually yeah. that are that are for everybody, mm-hmm. and and again, that doesn't mean it has to be designed for ladies. Whatever you think that means, you know mm-hmm. that that's that's not even a concept that means anything or is important. Uh, the important thing is that it's not actively exclusionary. Yeah. And ideally that it includes some form of positive representation. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've started to see a lot of cultural shifts, especially in the past five years, um, in much better directions. And there's a really long way to go, um, for things to reach a good spot. I yeah. think. But I will say that from a game design perspective from our side, it, it is something that we struggle with because we are three dudes and three white mm-hmm. dudes specifically that it's really easy just to kind of not think about that. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of the luxury, we, luxury we have in that position where we can kind of forget that we're dudes and forget that we're white. Right. Because so in all these, in all these movies, like it was like, especially the MCU, yep. it's just, it's just all white dudes, yeah. you know, like why is, why is Peter Quill the captain in Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he's the least competent person that they have. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it should be Gamora. Yep. She should be running the ship, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, people, and of course, as like, if people watch these films as white dudes, then they see that and they're like, they don't think about it because they yeah. relate to them. They relate to the protagonist and they don't ask questions mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have to try to take it very seriously um, to well, always yeah. be asking those and questions. That's, so I think that's to, to kind of get at the last part of that question. That is like, what should you do for designing games? It's not about for women. It's about trying to remember 
who you are and who you're representing when you make stuff and who, because for all of us, you know, our default person is a person who's like us. And so if you are another white dude making video games, then just by default, everything you think of is going to be a white dude, right? So you just have to be consciously, because that's who you are. So you have to be consciously aware of that. And this is so problematic in, in games and their industries because of the history of how things have have happened, making it so that most people that are running things and building games and doing all of this mm-hmm. are still white dudes because that's taking so long to fix all these all these horrible right. things that we've done to each other. And so if you're not consciously thinking about it and taking great pains to uh, to acknowledge that fact and try to push away from it in some way um, and and be inclusive in the stuff that you make, uh, like that, that's what you got to do. You don't have yeah. to design entirely new kinds of games you know, that four, the four women with a new, like a four women logo that's like pink now or something. <laughs> yeah, shit, Cards yeah. Against Humanity had a hilarious uh, for her pack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. They just made it pink. Yeah. But they, I mean, they did that as satire and then they donated all the proceeds to women's mm-hmm. organizations, right. which was fantastic. Um, yeah. So, and I think if, if you're looking for sort of entry point games for this stuff, uh, again, just like just mention to your partner that this is something you want to, that you'd like to sort of cultivate as, as a thing both that you can do from time to time. My wife and I do basically one major gaming binge session around Thanksgiving every single year. Uh, sometimes it's Terraria, sometimes it's something else, but um, we try to do one or the of new these. Pokemon. Or the new Pokemon. Yep. So uh, those are the ones that we've really enjoyed playing together because, again, because they're actually, they're just not devices in any way. They're not exclusionary in any way. Um, Pokemon's just, you pick your gender, then no one cares. No, you don't even talk. No one, the story is so light that I don't even know if they could be offensive. I haven't, I haven't seen anything and you in can, there. You like, can name it. your opponent, you know, Ball's Face. It's great. It's and amazing. it doesn't change the story at all somehow, which <laughs> so, seems like that would be a problem for, yeah, for a, a person. In, in there's like, there's, there's multiple levels of this, right? Because there's inclusive and there's, and there's, there's exclusive and then there's sort of neutral, n- neutral, not exclusive, right? right? And basically just, most just stay the, on, yeah. Stay on the left half of that yeah. if if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, it is very hard to make games that are truly like purposefully inclusive. Yeah. And I don't think everybody has to be doing that. I think what everybody has to be doing is is purposely making games that aren't exclusive. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of just start moving things that way. And ideally, we get into the space where people have a better idea of how to make things that truly are inclusive. Um, but again, that is a much harder problem. And as long as we just start away from the exclusive side, you know, it's, that's it good. That's progress. progress. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think... Good talk. Feel, all right, good. All right. Got deep. <laughs> yeah. And this is something we have to, we have to always be, you know, wary of as we talk about because of our disposition as Adam pointed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for asking that question. It's a good question. All right. Uh, for our next question comes from CC tech Wiz, most esteemed gentleman as a software developer. I try to do code katas or code challenges. I don't know what this word I is. Sound, I don't know. Uh, with some frequency to keep my skills sharp in a not so recent ish podcast, you mentioned a nifty little tool for practicing repetitive art stuff like drawing circles. Are there any challenges you do for honing your general game design skills? Just, just jams. Games. Yeah. Jams. Yeah. Yeah, game so jams, jams. You know, so there's this jam coming up. It's called the the Shenana Jam. Oh, I've, I've guys, heard of this. This yeah. sounds yeah, cool. It's coming on June eight. I bet, I bet if you go to shenanajam.com, that may or may not go there. I could. <laughs> yeah. I bet that it may or may not. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Jams are the best for us because there's there's something that happens when you're working on a long term game project, mm-hmm. which is that the problems that you solve become increasingly narrow and idiosyncratic. Yeah. Meaning they're very not, specific to that project. Yeah, they're not necessarily going to be able to jump in an applicable way to some new project. Yeah. Right? And the best yeah. thing about jams is you're starting at the beginning. And you have to solve all the problems. You have to solve all the problems, which means 
Um, and, and people, people often ask us, you know, how is it that, that we're able to do some of the things that we do in such a short time span in jams? And it's that we've done so many jams that we have a whole bunch of tools that we've built mm -hmm. that allow us to almost instantaneously get a game off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a, a script library of like 500 something different scripts and game maker, as well as a whole bunch of built in uh, modules that we've created. And every time we do a jam, we go back and we kind of, you know, in sort of vulture fashion, we salvage its guts. <laughs> and put them in the pack. And we put them in the package. Mm -hmm. So any, anything that we've made during a game jam, we then carry it forward into the next game. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where we have this uh, this project that's just called the Prototype Template. Mm -hmm. And it is a huge suite of sort of baseline game functions that have things like, you know, a main menu and a settings page and a gameplay page and a save system and all the stuff that, and, and like a pause button, because mm -hmm. that's a thing you need. And just all these different things that every game needs, but that you would have to build from scratch every single time. Um, it's sort of our, it's the closest we get to building an engine, right? It's yeah. our sort of framework inside. It's our own maker. framework that sits on top of game maker. So, so by doing that kind of stuff, then you get then a tight feedback loop, you get tight feedback loop, focus on the ideas a little bit more so than the implementation, exactly. but still do. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other big part of it is that, um, we were, and as you can probably tell by the podcast from, from our ability to really just sort of rapidly build off each other's ideas and stuff, and then also just debate or get into arguments uh, you know, really deep arguments very quickly, we can essentially mentally prototype a game in like a couple, a span of a couple of minutes and, and find sort of holes in it as long as it's not as an uber complex design, which never, those don't ever work in game jam context anyways, if it's two day jam. So um, this is actually one of the things we've, we're working on in a general sense is actually making games that have a bit more going on on the design side, because what this, what it has taught us to do is we're very good at coming up with like the core thing, but then not necessarily so good at coming up with whatever the, bunch of other sort of interesting subsystems are that might come off of that because it's not something we actually do a lot. So yeah. uh, that's some, something we have our eye on and, and also something that the, some of the Crashlands updates are, are sort of designed to start kind of adding and fixing in that sort of yeah, context. Yeah, we, we tend to just lean really hard into one specific system mm -hmm. and build Which, the whole hey, game around it. It works fine. It, it, yep. works, it works fine. <laughs> um, but this, this has been an interesting conversation with Scuffle Buddies. Yes. Uh, which came out of the, the, there's a game jam called the Shenanah Jam. Mm. Uh, I've heard which, about this once before. Yeah, uh -huh. which uh, last year we built the we built a game called Snuppy Rustlin', mm -hmm. which is a game where you steal you're a troll and you steal snails mm -hmm. by summoning well they're snail they're snail puppies Snip. snail oh, puppies you you summon monsters and other trolls uh, to steal snail puppies from, from your, your enemies uh, enemies mm -hmm. and oh, we actually we had a multiplayer server is it still up i don't even know if it's uh i mean the, the server is still running <laughs> so you could you could actually get on there you could download it and we had a bunch of people after the shenanigans jam who were playing about 70 people i can't were, remember were fighting in there how, how does matchmaking work it's just if two people it's just, hit it yeah if two people are on then it will yeah play you, you, what you happens look if, for you look for game and then the next person who has looked for game right. you just matched up now. what happens if there is no match does it just go into single player it'll just wait forever forever okay Nice. <laughs> I, so, I remember too. We were at, at the sort of the last, the last moment. We had this question because I, I put it together on the server side the ability to have matchmaking where you could like include a a phrase or something, or it would give you like a key that you could use. Oh and, yeah, and join. Yeah, I don't think we ever got. And that we never. Yeah, we we were we were fifteen minutes away from implementing it, but we didn't have. We ran out. Yeah, that one went all the way up to the wire. That was one of the few where we were. It was not done until it was until yeah. the jam was but, done. But the reason for that is because because we've done so much work in advance to take care of all the baseline game functions, uh, we try to make sure that we're never solving the same problems twice mm -hmm. in a sort of jam by jam. 
And so by salvaging all the old code and all the old stuff and making it more general, um, then we can come up with game ideas for a jam that are actually pretty involved. Yes, that, that was by far, I mean, making a card game is hard. Making a multiplayer multiplayer turn-based card game is harder still, and we did it in 48 hours somewhat successfully. So I mean, people who got to fight each other had a really good time doing it. So if you if you want to do that, you can probably find someone on the Discord who will fight you in Snuppies. Uh, it still exists. It's still around. And that's actually the sort of, that's the core of, of the Scuffle Buddies overall sort of gameplay system is that particular gaming element. But going back to what you're saying, you said we're having some issues with that. Yeah, so yeah. So it's it's that's a very involved and what I would call dense. It's system. heavy. Yeah, it's very heavy. It requires a lot of content to make it work. I think as of right now, where Scuffle Buddies is, is we've got twenty something unique sort of monsters you can summon, um, and then several dozen spells and items that you can deploy during the the battle mm-hmm. to try to manipulate. There's about fifty four or fifty five sort of cards card concepts overall yeah um so we have that and and our our aim is to go you know into the hundreds Mm -hmm. and then on top of that then there's that question of like how do you acquire these cards how do you acquire these monsters or whatever and so we've we've been boxes so so we're just going straight to loot boxes Uh uh oh we got to talk about that in a moment oh yeah Yeah. we forgot about that it's a news item um yeah, and so, so as we've been designing the system, we've been experimenting with all, all kinds of things like, you know, going out into the wilderness, crafting, mm-hmm. like building traps and, and doing all this. Well, I think the, the major point here is that it's not impressive to build a, a turn-based card game nowadays because especially if you look on, on mobile in particular, but even on PC now, it's like literally, I mean, Valve is doing it. I know, and if they're if, doing, if they're it, doing it, it, they I mean, got nothing. They got no <laughs> resources. Dead drama. So, far as I'm, <laughs> so, so we wanted to add our own element, kind of like with Crashlands, we added the story to it, right? Um, we wanted to take that sort of general the rough idea of a card battling thing and sort of blow it out into this really cool world where you actually go like, what if the, the basic question is what if in like Hearthstone or something like that, you had to actually go somehow get the damn cards. So or what if, and what if Hearthstone was actually just Diablo, but you play Diablo to find the cards, exactly. things, and then you go into some arena where you can battle. That's, better, that's, yeah, that's a better example. Then yeah. it, that would actually make me play both of those games. Cause I currently play neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this becomes a problem. Because right. if the battle system is super intense and heavy, uh-huh. then just how heavy should that other part of the gameplay be? Yeah. Uh, because if you think about, uh, so games like Final Fantasy, they often have a card game mm-hmm. that you can play or, or some, some kind of extra, extra mini game. Fallout Fa- New Vegas Final Fantasy X had Blitzball, you know. I love that. Um, oh, yeah, was that the so, water ball thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And so the problem cool. here, the problem here is, is like whichever one of these systems turns out to be sort of the most involved, that actually becomes what the game is, mm-hmm. right? And so, and I think people can only hold so many different sort of game concepts in their brain at a time. And so if you have like, all right, we have this big open world where you're going out, you're exploring and you're crafting and maybe like you're fighting things and you're riding Zeppelins or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you're doing out there. Um, and then you're doing all that so that you can sort of build this card deck. And then you we have this entire other strategic card battling game with hundreds and hundreds of cards. Well, the matches are between six and like 20 minutes long if it's a really intense fight. Yeah. And so the question is, is that too much? Is that too, is it just too fucking many things happening? Because <laughs> from our experience now, it seems like maybe it's too It's probably much. too much. Um, and so now we got to, we got to reel it back mm-hmm. potentially. Um, so, and this is actually an interesting sort of side note, which is, you know, we started working on Scuffle Buddies. We have we got about six months in and we're like, this is going to be a huge. So we need mm-hmm. to step away. We, and we haven't published a game in two years. We need to get something else out that we can make much faster. So that's where Levelhead comes in. So we just wrapped up uh, week 15 of dev on Levelhead. Is this like when you have a baby and you just name it by weeks? Yeah. 
yeah, we're almost we're not, four months. Yeah, <laughs> so we wrapped up week fifteen of Dev, um, and Levelhead is coming along very quickly, yeah. uh, and it's going to be far faster than anything yeah. would have done in, in Scuffle sure. Buddies. Um, but the, having that sort of distance from Scuffle Buddies allows us to kind of take a step back and and think: Are like, are we going too in the weeds yeah. here? Are we are we following sort of dead alleys with our design? Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of it's hard. It's hard to make a game that's that involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's the thing is that you you won't, especially on the deeper side of things, the, for bigger games, that's a hard thing. Because, I mean, if you think about your your total lifespan, for one thing, uh, even if you, from the time you were a wee chid all the way up until you're dead at, say, 80, if one of these games takes two to three years to make, you actually don't get that many shots at it, right? Yeah. And, and then you're dead now. And then you're dead now. So, and then you, if you consider that most people don't start making them, especially big games, until they're in their late 20s or 30s, then you actually don't get to make very many of these, which is why I think expertise on a, on a bigger game scale is just not too hard or it's harder to find than that sort of small game scale. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about loot boxes. Okay. This is, this is a, just a quick news item, which is loot box watch. We've been talking for quite a while, at least a year about the onslaught of loot boxes. And I think the first time we talked about it was when it appeared in rocket league, mm-hmm. where it used to be that in rocket league, you could just buy skins, wheels, uh, Actually, you just bought cars and then you got the other stuff. Oh, yeah, you, but you just buy a car and then you have a bunch of other stuff. Um, and when that was the case, then I, I bought, personally, I bought a few different cars because I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to support, I want to support this game. I, I did could also buy the Batmobile, which is pretty, pretty I, did, I did buy the Batmobile. They have like three different Batmobiles now. Oh, do they? Including the, 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 tum- the Tumblr, the Dark Knight Tumblr. Whoa, I like that one. Um, which that makes heck. a lot of sense for Rocket yeah. League. That's cool. So, so back then I was very pumped about it and I, and I spent extra money on the game. Um, and then they switched to a model where uh, everything was loot boxes. So instead of being able to pick what you wanted, you had to just keep spending money over and over again and get randomized rewards. Um, and it, it wasn't even a diminishing reward set where you could keep getting the same reward over and over and over again. Mm. Right. So it's not like you can, it's not like your chances go up to get the thing that you want over time, which then this sort of, uh, sort of in, infested the game with people trying to trade items with each other and all this shit. And it just kind of made this weird sort of antagonistic feeling. And I think I mentioned before, League of Legends did the same thing. Yeah. Which was actually, I don't, the the weird thing to me is I didn't consciously decide to stop playing the game around that time, but I did because I used to actually, (laughs) yeah, I stopped playing Rocket League with it. Yeah. I used to actually buy the skins and stuff because I I love, I love the game. I loved uh, buying like the super goofy stuff that they put out. Um, But once it all kind of got, because you'd randomly get these key shards. So you'd, you'd get three different key shards that you'd put together, and then you'd randomly get a box, and you could either buy boxes or keys, and then you'd put them together in a money pile, basically, to open the damn thing. And it would be just a random piece of shit, generally speaking, yeah. that you don't actually want. So why do developers do this? Because it's gambling, and gambling is a great way to make money. Gambling is incredibly mm-hmm. addictive. Um, and even if, even if when you buy a loot box and there's a 95% chance that you don't get anything really worthwhile, you still get something, which is a dopamine drip. You yeah. know, you get that, that satisfaction of surprise. Yeah. Well, I think the, the important note is actually that a lot of the, and this is one of the things that came down as a Belgian commission that did it. Belgium. Yeah. Um, and the Netherlands. I think. The Netherlands yeah. was first. It basically said that, you know, because of the sort of fireworks display that happens when you open these boxes. So if you look at overwatch, when you open one of these boxes, it just like, it just explodes and the camera looks up and all these things flip around and land down on the ground. It's, it's magnificent. And it actually is, it resembles slot machine. Well, if you think about slot machines have known payouts 
and it's on average about negative five cents per dollar. Mm -hmm. So every dollar you put in, you make on average 95 cents back. And this is just known. Uh, and yet, and it's designed that way very purposely because that means you win sometimes. Right. Even though. Because people don't think in averages. People yeah. think in, people remember things in spikes, right? They remember that one time when they pulled the lever and a bajillion coins came out. Yeah. So what do they do? They put those into a bucket and then they go back to the slot machine and they mm -hmm. just put each coin back in, you know, mm -hmm. one by one until the bucket's empty. And so, um, so th this creates kind of uh, an addictive feedback loop, which is really bad for people. Uh, and it's especially bad for children who, mm -hmm. who have even worse impulse control than <laughs> adults do. And adults don't actually have that good of impulse control <laughs> anyways. So this is something we've been talking about for quite a long time uh, in, in terms of anticipating that there's, there's just going to be legislation yeah, coming. And it, and it happened. So yeah. Belgian sort of threw down the hammer with it. And uh, I believe even like basically we're vaguely threatening jail time. Even they're no, like, not vaguely. They said they said they said like you'll be yeah. There's a if fine. you don't rip this out within like a month or something. Uh, yeah, there's a fine, and then there's up to five years in prison for the. the so that publishers. was and that hits Overwatch, uh, Dota, um, I think FIFA is even doing FIFA. it too. Oh, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's not as basically crazy. all of these huge PUBG. They, all they, these they huge called games. out a they called out a specific set of games, but the I mean the law is it, it the law doesn't apply to specific games. It applies to all games, right? right. So anybody who's selling games there is now subject to this. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there were a few things where they said, you know, there's, there's a few implementations of this that are definitely uh, illegal as gambling. And then there's a, then there's, uh, so it basically comes down to when people have the ability to trade items and stuff, like then it's, it's just like how you get money out of a slot machine and you can go use that money for other things, right? Um, but then they said there's, there's other implementations that although technically not illegal are unethical, and morally yeah, like dark. Approximately so, all of it. Yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> so, so well, it, you know, to me, that that's a hint of get your shit together, folks, yep, because it's coming. it's coming, right? This is just the tip. This is just mm -hmm. the start of it. So I hope everybody's prepared. I mean, we've been talking about this for a year. We called it, <laughs> we called it a gray rhino, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe like last September or something. Um, it's it's happening now. Yeah, we're just going to eke out that last dollar. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is a... I was talking to my wife about this this weekend because I was listening to a podcast about the tragedy of the commons. Mm. Uh, so the tragedy of the commons is a problem in, in economics when there's a common resource like water, what, whatever it is, maybe oil, something. Um, so like, let's say, let's say there's a town that, that they discovered there's a big oil reserve under their town. And so everybody in the town's like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start drilling oil. Right. Uh, so they do it and they start kind of like pulling, pulling it up out of the ground, pulling it up out of the ground. And it's a finite thing. It's going to run out at some point, right? And if everybody just agreed, if they were like, you know, we could really all benefit sort of collectively as a group if we, you know, if we uh, sort of you like ration some rules. It. Yeah. Have some rules about yeah. using this thing. And so like we could make this thing last for, for three generations if mm -hmm. we wanted. As we know, that's not what happens. Because in the case of a common resource, uh, you end up with people always acting in their own self-interest over the interest of the group, because that's what a rational person does is they do what's best for themselves. Right. And so, uh, so instead there's a competition to see who can pull the most, the quickest, who can pull the most out the quickest before everything just completely mm -hmm. collapses. And this is what happened to Star Wars Battlefront, which is actually the, that was the thing that sort of tipped it finally, yes. where a lot of the legislators were like, hold the phone. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are just, you're just scraping up the money from this yeah. in a really gross and so, way. So yeah. So this is a tragedy of the commons where, you know, there's this, there's this huge 
a group of people willing to pay for loot boxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's this resource that all of a sudden all these, all these huge game publishers discovered was there. And so they're all rushing to try to pull maximum money out as fast as possible before everything just completely collapses. Yeah. And so now it is, we, we've now, we're like, we were well, teetering the, on I the brink and now really we're starting the, to tilt. The unfortunate part about it is just the fact that uh, there's certain implementations, just like we've talked about free to play before, whatever else that, that actually work just fine and are abusive, you know, in, in terms of like how, how these things sort of poke on gambling tendencies and stuff like that. And most of those models will get, will get caught in whatever the sort of barrages with this. So in other words, we've, we, you have this development of a, of a potential revenue stream that then because it gets so sort of heinous is going to be sort of shut off entirely. Right. Yep. Just the tragedy of the commons. It, it'll destroy that. Yeah. If, if everybody had, if everybody had said, well, these loot box thing is cool, but it's not, we're not super comfortable with it, but we also understand that it makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to walk a, we're going to walk a middle ground. Mm -hmm. We're not going to make our loot boxes too crazy exciting. And we're going to use them very sparingly. And we'll you know, publish, publish exactly what the percentages are. You know, yeah, so we'll make it exactly a very transparent process. But of course, nah. that's not how you make the most money, <laughs> right? And, and that's what the resource is that everybody's trying to pull out. So that well, happened. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about with free-to-play before, right? Where there's a way to be really successful financially with free-to-play. Uh, and it's gross. Mm-hmm. That's the way. That's how you do it. Is <laughs> for if you never putting a cap on how much money people can spend. Yeah. If if you want to if you want to actually behave with a very you know ethical business model where you're trying to cap how much a person can spend in your game and all this kind of stuff, uh, you basically guarantee middle of the road or or no success at all. Um, and so to me, like that's the kind of the interesting thing about this is that because of the the push towards free to play and how the entire market shifted towards that. And then the the loss of advertising money because ads started to make so little money. Mm -hmm. uh, then basically this was kind of the next thing that had to be just milked, yeah, dry. Yep. Uh, and it was gross the whole time. Just no question. It just right? got gross. But it, but it is it is the <laughs> only way. I think the thing is that free to play is not a sustainable model. Period. It just isn't um, because the only way for it to work is by having some is by having your customers be the product. Um, which is gross. GDPR is kicking in. That's going to make that mm -hmm. even harder. You mean it for advertising. For advertising, yeah. right. Uh, or whatever, selling yeah. selling people's data and so on. Uh, so either that has to go, so people have to sell their privacy, um, or uh, you have to have a small, small subset of people have basically uncapped uh, purchasing potential uh, so that on average you actually make some money. Um, and that has to be then using some sort of gambling or other kind of addictive mechanism. It doesn't have to, but it well, that's tends what, to. Well, it's not, I mean, I think it does have to. I think the only way to, to make it so that on average you make a lot of money with a free-to-play title. Well, no, I mean, you think about a game like Warframe, right? Like, they don't do any of this nonsense. They just have a shitload of content, from what I understand about how their whole system A lot works. of IAPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they, they, don't, they don't make nearly as much money. Oh, as no, that's, I mean, that's even the thing that's been, uh, that was leveled at Riot a long time ago, by probably before their loot yeah, boxes. they have they, infinite money already. Well, they were, well yeah. someone was like, if, if Riot implemented all these free-to-play practices, they would be making bank. It's like, yeah, but most of their consumer base would also hollow out and leave, probably. Yeah, yeah that's, that's referred to as churn, right? Which yeah. is, which is d when developers recognize that their business model actually antagonizes their customers. Yeah but their customers will stick around for a while because they're entrenched, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's their hobby so or with, whatever. With premium, you just turn people out before they even get in. <laughs> That's <know>? right. <laughs> people are like, I want to pay for this. You're like, great. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Perfect. Yeah, go play something else. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's where we've kind of landed for ourselves personally is we like, we like the premium model because people can decide whether they want the thing that we're selling. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then they just, that's it then. It's fine. I, I even don't, I don't mind 
DLC. I don't mind in-app purchases and stuff. So long as just like, because I'm from playing League of Legends, I, I loved buying cool shit to put on my character, right? <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah, I don't mind this stuff the either. Thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just, if, if the avenue is weird to get to that particular point. Well, I think those are mechanisms for uh, for sort of stuff. I think it works for League of Legends because it, that game has such a huge, huge a social, market. Yeah, and it's a social thing too. And it's a social thing. And people have truly become entrenched in it because it's their hobby. So I think that works in that kind of a game. Mm-hmm. I think in most games, it just doesn't work. At, at, at best, it provides a little bit of a, of a you know, of some percentage just improvement on top of your overall revenue of what you're getting. Uh, but I think, I think the impact just isn't, it just can't be that that great unless you get gross about it. And this gets weird too because especially as as a premium studio or as a studio who makes pay up front titles, and that's that's our intended business model going forward. Uh, and since our our flagship product, Crashlands, is one of those titles, mm-hmm. whenever we talk to um, especially business people in the games industry, we are just talking past each other. Just all fucking day long, right? Most people are not interested in the way that we're doing things. Yeah, because it's the easiest way. Yeah, because it. all they all they want to know they have they have a bunch of acronyms. There's a bunch of acronyms that people use in free to play, which is like your ARPU, which is average revenue per paying user, mm-hmm. uh, or, and then you've got your your DARPU, which is your daily average revenue per paying user. Because you know, with one of those games, you're trying to get money from from a player every day, not mm-hmm. just not just have them buy your product, mm-hmm. right? Um, your LTV, your lifetime value, yeah. like what's the maximum amount of money you can expect to quote extract from, from a consumer? Like they're a, like they're an oil well and you're just like just, just, just little, shanking in. Yeah. Just a little weird. Yep. Our number is the same for everybody, which is great. It's just the price. People are like, yeah, people are like, what's your LTV? Or we're like, it just, it's on there. It's the price. Yeah, that people, minus 30%. People buy that and then it's it. That's it. It's done. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know, but, but I, th- I think this is, this is the, because of the tragedy of the commons situation, whenever somebody finds a way to make money in, in look games the, or just look at the fucking cryptocurrency thing. Look, just look at that. It's yeah. insane. Everybody Which one? in the oh, mother, 10,000 exactly. cryptocurrency. Exactly. Everyone in their mother now has launched their own cryptocurrency. They're yeah. Like, oh, we're doing a token thing. I got a, I got an invite to some like LinkedIn competitor that's on the blockchain where you can earn tokens by posting content. I was like. What? <laughs> I don't work for you. I hate this. What I'm leaving. Leave me alone. It's <laughs> insane. Has it, wait, wait, has blog, has this collapsed yet? Are people still doing it? People are still doing okay. it. Okay. I, I just what the fuck is yeah. happening? You know. And, and of course, you know it's you know it's all just absolute bullshit because blockchain had been around since like 2008, 2009. Whenever Bitcoin first appeared, nobody batted an eye until. August of 2017, when Bitcoin mm-hmm. suddenly passes three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And everybody's like, what? And then everything just went to shit, right? Yeah. I don't so know, yeah, I mean, so this this is the this is the way that that these sort of like business models kind of burn mm-hmm. themselves out yep. is everything, you know, like there's that there's that argument ad absurdum, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the way the way you can sort of one of the ways that you can attack an argument is by taking it to its most absurd logical extreme, mm-hmm. like using its own terms and just being like, here's what this is gonna look like if you apply this concept all the way to its right. logical endpoint. Uh, and this is how it always goes in business. Like as soon as you, as soon as somebody comes up with a model, you're like, well, if you do that, here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then that is what, that is what happens. Yep. So anyways, uh, it's weird. The regulatory landscape is shifting though. Yeah. Get ready. If you're, if you're a dev and you're making that stuff, get, you get, you get your shit together. Cause it's about to hit. You're going to, yeah. Bel- you're going to Belgian jail. <laughs> 
I mean, if he, it's probably pretty nice. We'll if, be it's probably, it's probably <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's probably is fine. Uh, yeah, if, but if you are going to do that, if you're if you're a dev, you want to put loot boxes in your in your game, and your game is not going to be out for a while. At, at minimum, just read what all these legislators are saying because they're they're yes. giving you the the blueprint for what it would have to look like to not be considered gambling. So mm-hmm. just go just go look that kind of stuff up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also bearing in mind that it could still change. They're still not going to like it. No, they're not going to like you, it. If you follow the whole, like, don't make it feel like a slot machine, but it's still fine if it's gambling, sort of, like, weird mm-hmm. gray area, I mean, you're you're still going to get trampled eventually, probably. So just be, maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just don't. Uh, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. And again, we have the Shenanah Jam coming June 8th. So if you go to shenanajam.com, that may or may not get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net. Uh, or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox. So you can find the address for that over at mailbox.bscotch.net. And that's true this time. Last that time, tr- that was not true. Yeah, that went down for a moment. Yep. So it's been a rough good. web week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.